Hey everybody, welcome to the Good Lion Podcast's midweek message. Today we're going to hear from my personal favorite member of the Good Lion Podcast, Brian Higgins. Brian is bringing us a word all about what to do when you find yourself in survival mode, when you find yourself just sort of running on fumes and trying to get by. He's got a great example from the Bible in the book of John with what to do when we find ourselves in that place. This message was preached at our Good Lion Young Adults group, which takes place on Monday nights, 6 p.m. PST. If you'd ever like to join in on one of those messages and discussion times, let us know. Send us an email at goodlionnetwork at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram and send us a DM. We'd love to see you. It's a great time. The group is really growing in fellowship. And as we walk with the Lord together and explore his word and just discuss what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this day and age, I'm having a great time with it. And I was so blessed that Brian taught this message. So I am excited for you to hear it. With that, here's Brian Higgins. So much of this last year, has been focused on survival. When you think about all that we've been doing with social distancing, quite literally, it has all been about surviving. It's stand six feet away so we don't die. Wear your mask so we don't die. Like it's, it's been this lingering thing running in the background of all of our minds, but it's been happening on more than just a physical level. Survival mode, in part, can be really helpful. There are times where what you need to do is just put your head down and not die, for lack of a better term. There are times where you need to just be able to push through and block out the pain and block out the noise and block out all the other stuff. But when survival mode turns into a new normal, it actually becomes a really dangerous place to live. I feel like for many of us, and I say this because I feel it within my own heart, it has been really easy to let survival mode just become the new normal. And in John 21, there's a great example of Peter letting survival mode begin to become his new normal. But thankfully, Jesus won't let him stay there. And my hope is that if we're able to analyze our lives openly and honestly, we'll be able to see some places where perhaps we've slipped into survival mode and we've let it become the new normal. And I would say that Jesus is calling us out of that mentality today. Think about all the stimulus checks that have come out. It's been thinking through the lens of we need to make sure the economy doesn't die. We need to make sure that it just survives and keeps going. Think about the way that we've done all of these distant social events. We've tried to make sure that community doesn't die, that all of these things don't just fall off to the wayside. So in John 21, if we begin in verse one, it tells us this. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. 
So this is this is our setup, and this is a scene that we know, we understand, but I think it's really important to try to feel this scene, to let it let its emotional weight hit us. This is a post-crucifixion Peter. This is Peter at his all-time low. This is Peter who, just a few days ago, confidently looked Jesus in the eyes and said, even though all of these other bums might turn their back on you, I'm the faithful one. Like every other person who literally just gave up the last three years of their life to be your friend, they might fail you. I'm not going to be the one to fail you. I'm not going to be the one to back down. And then, of course, we know Peter's confronted three different times, the last time by a lowly servant girl, basically saying, hey, your accent kind of sounds like you might have been friends with Jesus. And he completely goes off and he's like, there is no way I even know that man. And then, of course, the rooster crows. The prophecy from Jesus rings in his mind. He makes eye contact with Jesus. Like this is movie stuff like that happens between Peter and Jesus in that moment. And he just runs away. It is too much for him. It's too much for him to even begin to think through. And sure, he learned that Jesus had resurrected. He learned that Jesus wanted to still have some kind of relationship. But I wonder if for him, he just kind of looked at it and thought, you know what, maybe maybe from now on, there just should be some distance between us. Maybe I've messed up in such a way that Jesus does not want nearness with me anymore. As we think through this year, we've stopped really focusing on what nearness to our goals feels like. And we've just kind of put our heads down and thought, I just got to get through another day. You know, how many plans have been delayed? How many goals have been set aside? How much striving forward for what we confidently believed 14 months ago God was calling us to? Have we just kind of left off to the side to wonder whether or not it will ever come back. You know, for Peter, he's probably thinking my relationship with Jesus is different forever now. So I just got to go make a buck. I know how to fish. I might as well just go fish. I just got to get by. I might as well go do the things that I need to do just to get by. We can very quickly fall into that same mode that Peter has fallen into. You know, so many people I know, I think everybody I know has some story about how COVID took a plan of theirs and put it on the shelf. That took some trajectory that they were headed on and and pushed it off to the side. And if we're not careful, we can wind up remaining off to the side. We can start feeling like off to the side is just the new way that I relate to God now. And that's a really dangerous place to be. When we go back to what we know before Jesus, we wind up missing out on what Jesus might have for us now. Now, fortunately, that is not the end of this story. That is just the setup of this story. And so for us, this might just be the setup of where we feel like we're at right now. But we need to be willing to take stock and say, do I actually really give myself over right now to pressing forward into more of Jesus Or am I willing to just kind of go fish for the night? Am I willing to just kind of go back to the things that feel safe and the things that feel normal and the things that get me by right now? 
if we skip down to verse 7, there's the encounter that we see in, in the middle of that section where Jesus calls out to him and says, hey, are you catching any fish? And they're like, no, not really. And he's like, oh, try the other side and works out and they catch this huge haul. And it says in verse 7, uh, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off because he was working and jumped into the water. I love the complete lack of planning. I love that there's no conversation that Peter has of like, oh man, like it's the Lord. Do you think he wants to talk to me? Like, do you think that we can make up? Do you think that this distance can be solved? I John basically just says like, oh, Jesus, that way. And he goes, sweet, I'm in. And just goes running headfirst, or in this case, swimming headfirst to go make sure that he could just be close to Jesus. Now, in any other fishing trip, that is a ridiculous thing to do. You know, in any other fishing trip, if somebody was standing on the shore like, hey, I have news for somebody on that boat, they wouldn't have grabbed that guy and been like, I guess you're swimming back to shore. Like they would have taken their time. They would have brought the boat back in. They would have slowly unloaded. And then that conversation would have happened for Peter. He didn't want to let any of those slow steps get in the way of that passion. You know, many of us in this group, I believe we've grown up in churches perhaps we're familiar with how youth retreats work. We're on youth retreats. You have students and perhaps we felt this ourselves where as as younger people walking with the Lord, we started to let some distance drift in. We got really excited for one night and then we wanted to make all of this progress towards Jesus. And then we watched that slowly fade out as time went on. Well, Peter, good for him. He doesn't let time creep in. He doesn't let anything begin to slow that passion down. He just goes, Jesus is there. I'm running at Jesus. And most of all, what I love in this chapter is the way that Jesus responds. In verse 10, Peter gets to the shore and it says that Jesus said to him, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the nets were not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Think about this may have been the most important conversation that Peter would ever have with Jesus. And it began with Jesus simply saying, come have breakfast. Come hang out. Think of how many moments Jesus speaks to someone and all he really says is, come be with me. You know, there was there was something for them to work out. The chapter goes on to explain the way that Jesus and Peter work out the distance between them. But what Jesus says first is, let's have a meal together. Let's hang out for a bit. Jesus doesn't begin with Peter. I got a lot. I got a lot to say, say to you. You know, I got a lot of problems with you, man. It doesn't begin with that. He doesn't begin with, Peter, you've really let me down. I'm really hurt. I really wish that you would have gone about this differently. He doesn't start there. He doesn't start with, Peter, 
there's a lot you need to learn. And I'm going to try to teach it all to you right now because you need to know the things that you got wrong. He doesn't begin with any of that. He begins with come have breakfast, come hang out, come pause for a minute and simply be with me. When survival mode creeps in, it makes us very task focused. What am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? How do I push beyond the barriers that are in my way? It all Everything centers on what do we do to get through this? What Jesus calls us to be is relationship focused. It's not what are you going to do? It's not how are you going to earn this? It's not how are you going to be worth it? It's are you taking the time to simply be with me? That's what Jesus asks for. That's what he cares about most. For Peter, he felt like maybe I'm going to make this big display. I'll jump in the water. I'll swim to Jesus. I'll make it this big thing. Maybe he's thinking this will be the one moment where nobody else will see. Like if I just swim to the shore first, all the other guys are on the boat. Maybe Jesus and I can have this private conversation. Like Jesus is not interested in any of the way Peter wants to solve it. He is simply focused on will you be with me? And I believe that that is the question Jesus would ask to any one of us today. Will you simply be with me? And notice once they actually start spending some time together, once they're able to share this breakfast, if you skip down to verse 15, we get the the really famous moment from this chapter. It says in verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So what's going on in this moment? Peter has had this time to be able to reconnect with Jesus. And what Jesus is trying to point him towards is go do what you were called to do before all this. Go do what you were called to do before survival mode crept in. that Jesus never asks Peter are you sorry Peter do you regret what you did Peter are you feeling guilty he doesn't say any of that just Peter do you love me like can can we move past this can we move past the struggle that's come in can we get past the distance that has crept in do you love me yeah Lord I love you okay good well then go go do what you were supposed to do Go feed my lambs. Go go do the work that I called you to do already. You know, remember, this is way after Peter and Jesus had the conversation where he says, on this rock, I will build my church. You know, you are Peter. I'm handing the 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 keys of the kingdom essentially over to you in a very real way. I want you to go be an instrumental leader. Jesus is saying here, go get back to that. Go get back to that thing that you were supposed to be doing all along. You know, what, what, what's past is past. You messed up. It's all good. We're, we're over it. Go get back to what you're supposed to be doing. 
I think for many of us, we need to ask ourselves, am I getting focused again on what God is calling me to? And for some of us, that might be a specific life goal or a life situation or something like that. I think for all of us, there's kind of three big categories that we should be thinking about. What should we be pressing back into? What are the things that survival mode asks us to leave behind that Jesus asks us to press into? Well, there are three that I want to mention really quick. This is the most preachy thing I'm going to do. They all start with C. Community, character, and calling. I think Jesus would ask us, pulling out of survival mode, press back into these things, starting with community. Jesus never calls his people to live alone. He has never called his people to live alone. I love if you look at James chapter 5, there's a section between verses 13 and 17 where basically the path away from suffering, the thing that you're supposed to do when you're sick and the way that you overcome sin is with community and prayer. He basically says, hey, are any of you suffering? Pray together. Any of you sick? Grab the elders. Pray together. Any of you caught in sin? Cool. Pray together. Like that is the path forward he gives for basically any life situation. You know, community is always looked at by every biblical author as ridiculously crucial. It is never something that's left off to the side. It is never something that is seen as less important. It is always viewed as crucial. And community means letting yourself be seen. I was listening to a Tim Chaddock sermon recently, and he talked about the idea we are really good at curating how people see us online. And we're kind of used to that. Like we're used to the whole influencer culture. We're used to the idea that, you know, just because you swipe through a video and you see somebody talking about their skincare routine, that doesn't mean they actually like that product or whatever. Like we're used to that idea. What it's made us less focused on is that we're also really good at doing that in person too. We're also really good at curating the way people see us when we're face to face. And now that there's been so much distance, now that there's been so much time where we've been apart from different people, as we get back together and as we find avenues like this to get back together, there's kind of two things we need to be concerned about. One, as we spend less time together, the less time you're together, the easier it is to be fake. You know, the shorter amount of time you have to be fake, the easier it is to be fake. So it's really easy to fool everybody for one hour on a Monday night. It's really easy to fool people when your conversation goes from seeing each other on a daily basis to texting each other once in a while. You know, the less time we're with each other, the more tempting it becomes to just kind of put up a veil or put up a front. We need to be careful not to do that. Real community is letting yourself be seen. So that's the first thing we need to be careful of. The second thing that we need to be careful of is that we might end up not pushing into getting back together. We might wind up just kind of staying back and saying like, okay, I'm not going to be fake. I just won't be around at all. I'm not going to you know, put up this front for who, anybody or whatever. I just kind of like not being around people. And look, I'm not trying to at all make a statement about COVID or safety. I don't know everyone's specific situations. I am not trying to be the person to judge anyone on church attendance, particularly in this crazy season. 
But even if community has to look different, it still has to happen. And survival mode can make it really easy to pull back from community. Now, I know very much I am preaching to the choir. This is a group that has said we care about community enough to make sure it's happening, even if it's different. That is to be commended. Make sure it is real community. Make sure it is transparent community. Make sure it is community where you are willing to be the vulnerable one. It is a huge part of leaving survival mode. That's community. I think God would ask us to press into that. The second thing I think he would ask us to press into is character. Anytime God is working, character is changing. Anytime. Anytime God is working, character is changing. When you look at the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five, the fruit is the natural evidence of life. Each thing described as a fruit of the spirit is a character trait. It's never like a cool sound we hear when God is working. It's not like a feeling you have on the inside when God is working. He doesn't point to any of those things as these are the evidence. It is character changing. And in survival mode, character doesn't really matter. You know, we always talk about the wild wilderness and how like in the animal kingdom, they just eat each other for survival. And when we talk about like a dog eat dog world, we're talking about how like, yeah, it doesn't matter how kind we are to each other. It matters. Did you win? Did you get ahead? That's what survival mode asks us to come back to be that wild leader, you know, be the one that just makes things happen for yourself. We need to be really careful about giving up character for the sake of survival. You know, I think about uh, my wife and I were working at the Bible College out in California at the start of the pandemic. And when everything hit, as it did for everybody, plans were all up in the air, jobs shuffled. Both of our jobs ended up being absorbed by other people. And so we ended up in a situation where we needed to leave California. We needed to go back to New Jersey to go live with family again. We were very much in survival mode. We were trying really hard just to get our feet back under us. And God's been super faithful and it's been awesome to see that. But one of the things that I definitely have noticed in myself is because I had to get into a financial survival mode, I was done being generous. That character trait did not matter to me. I was like, I just need to get by. I can't be thinking about other people. I need to get by for me. And that's sin. That's wrong. That's something that I need to begin to work through. That's something that we all need to begin thinking through. Are there ways where because we've pulled into survival mode, we have given up certain elements of character? Whenever God is working, character is changing. So let's make sure we're not putting that one too far off to the side. And then the last thing, I think he'd call us to press into community, to press into character, and last, to press into calling. When God works, he sets people on new paths. He leads people in new directions. Think about the way that Jesus literally called each of the disciples. It was simply, hey, you're doing that thing? Cool. Not anymore. Come hang out with me. You know, you, you, you like that life you have? What if you come and, and hung out with me instead? Think about the way that, you know, Paul is called. It's like, oh, you thought that you were headed to Damascus? Nope. Now you're blind. Like we have a whole new thing for you. You're going to be headed in a completely different direction now. That is always the way that God works. 
God wants to lead us into specific areas of calling. And I know that working out your calling is an extremely difficult thing. I know that it is widely talked about, but just because things have been weird for the last year and just because the way that calling happens feels and looks really different right now does not mean that God is done calling people to specific things and doesn't mean that God is done calling you to specific things. God still wants to use people as a primary part of his plan to save the world. God still wants to use his church to be a display of his love to a world that desperately needs it. God still wants to use the people of his kingdom to display to an anxious world what the peace of God is actually like. He is still calling us to each of those things. How exactly he wants you to be part of that? I don't know. I can't answer that for you, but I'm confident he does still want you to be part of that. So where survival mode says, get comfortable, keep what you have, don't worry about pressing forward. God's calling is always about pressing forward. It's always about taking steps of faith. It's always about being willing to leave the comfortable behind for the sake of kingdom growth. That doesn't mean recklessness. It doesn't mean, you know, completely throwing caution to the wind. It doesn't mean any of those things. But my concern is that when we get into survival mode, we think that calling simply stops existing. And that's just not true. God still wants us to press into community. He still wants us to grow in our character. And he still wants to reveal to us the specific calling he has. So I feel like there's two options sitting in front of us. There's Peter in the boat by himself trying to catch fish, super frustrated and feeling guilty about where his relationship with God is. Where there's Peter on the shore having breakfast with Jesus where Jesus is reminding him, I want you to do the thing you were called to do. If you feel like you're in survival mode right now, I completely relate. I totally understand how you get there. I'm also just really confident God does not want us to stay there. He did not call us to eternal surviving. He has called us to eternal life. Will you step into the eternal life that God wants you to experience and enjoy today. Father, I thank you for this group. I thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that you have given us of yourself so that we can be with you. And I thank you, Lord, that just like you said to Peter, maybe we're not sharing breakfast with you, but you still look at us and say, just come hang out. Just come spend some time with me. Just come leave everything else behind and let's just be together. Lord, I pray that you would help us leave survival mode behind and you'd help us press into genuine, meaningful, close relationship with you. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. If you like our show, please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps so much. 
the more reviews we get, the more people will find us. And so if you want to help the show, please just go on iTunes and leave a quick review. We also love questions from listeners and we love to do episodes focused on questions. So if you have a question and you want us to talk about on the show, send it to our email address, which is goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. Send us a question. We'd love to talk about it on the show. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of the Calvary Global Network, and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered encouraging and equipping podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that helps them as they walk closer with Jesus. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io support. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.